Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers. And welcome to the second-to-last episode of our Bad Batch coverage. I We're almost done! Almost there. We're, we're getting there. We're 16 episodes later, 17 episodes later now because of the episode zero, so we're... We're almost to the end. I've devoted most of my summer to this. And frankly, frankly, that it works for hot boy summer for me. We had a few hot boys in this. We had Roland and Hunter and, you know, Crosshair, if I'm feeling kind of saucy and hate myself. If you hate yourself and you want a pity fuck. (laughs) Oh, you know. Everybody gets in those moods occasionally, Bradley, especially once you turn my age. I think Crosshair is more of like a, an ex you like want to fuck because you know the sex is good. So you go back. Oh, God. That's what it is. Speaking of somebody who has fucked an ex because the sex was good, I can tell you that Crosshair 100% does have that energy. Oh, yeah. And I hate that you've said that because of how right you are. It's so true. I feel like actually now that I think about it, every member of the Bad Batch is an ex that you've had for different reasons. So I'm not going to get into what each one is, the but they're all different. They're they're the ex batch, and they're all the different X-Batch. boyfriends that you should stay away from for certain reasons. But Crosshair is the toxic ex that you go back to because the sex was so good because he's a long ass rifle. So he's yeah of all of the numbers (laughs) of all of the numbers that you have in your phone he's not the one that you text the most but he's the one you text the most at three in the morning that's absolutely correct he gets the you up texts (laughs) and he's always getting them he's never the one sending them no before we uh dive into the episode because i want to really i want to jump into this one because there's a lot to dissect here Uh, I just want to address real fast. Nothing really happened in Star Wars news that we need to pontificate on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter did answer one of our uh, multi-episode questions. Uh, So two episodes ago, we were talking about the TK numbers. Yes. And we actually made a TikTok about how we don't understand what the TK numbers are. Yes. Uh, Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter, somebody asked him and he confirmed that nobody has any fucking idea what the TK numbers stand for. If there's something, he's never heard of it. Apparently they were called like TX numbers in early versions of the script. Okay. But, uh, or the script for Star Wars, but like, it doesn't mean anything. There's no designation. So do we need to call George? Like George. Like, we do need to call George. We need to call up. Let me get on my cell phone uh, and call George let and see George if we can find right it. Out. Now. Let me call, let me call my sugar daddy and see if he knows. So that answers that question from a few episodes ago. There is no answer. Okay. Good to know that uh, nobody, nobody fucking Lucasfilm knows. decided to figure this out. The people whose job it is to know these things literally do not know. That's hilarious. All right. Let's dive into the episode, the final episode of season one Mm -hmm. of The Bad Batch. Bradley, what did you think of this episode? Um, Positive. Um, I liked, uh, there was a lot of fucking character uh, just 
in between between like hunter and crosshair and just omega and everybody like everybody just had like all these character moments that were just really just developing like it was just really good like it's like i'm your brother i'm not your brother i'm your friend i'm not your friend i'm your sister i'm not your sister you know there was just so many different like things there that were going on it was very complicated um but i enjoyed it um my only critique was maybe it's just because i was watching this early in the morning and you know this is just how my tv and my living room is but the episode was so fucking dark like i was having trouble seeing what was going on half the time so I... maybe uh, i was gonna say just maybe i need to like adjust how i watch these maybe i just need to watch these in like pitch black rooms so that i can like appreciate it but you know it's not just you i remember some people talking on twitter uh some of the creators were talking about how this one is best enjoyed in a dark room on a computer screen i watched it i watched it twice i watched it the first time i watched it on my computer screen at midnight and then when i was working watching it uh on the on the train words when i was watching it on the train to take notes on my phone on the way home from work today i was watching it on my phone and had i not watched it on my computer first Mm -hmm. there was points that would have been very difficult to tell what was going on in the episode yeah i was i was like watching it like did they do this on purpose Does was this a thing and i was like and then i thought about it and i was like well i mean i guess there's no fucking power on this in this fucking city so i guess it makes sense that it's dark but at the same time i was like come on they can't like cheat light somehow like be like oh we all have flashlights and it lights up the room or something they do it at certain points they do it in the the tunnel thing they do it with the clone pods when that scene so and actually, uh, one of I was gonna say one of the only moments that was I have an issue with was the very end. And I, when we get to it, I'll explain why I had an issue with it. Um, but it was the lightest scene in the whole entire episode. Oh, I think I, was, I think I know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> okay, good. I have the same note. Oh, I have a note about what I think you're going to gripe about. Okay, cool. Um, I really loved it. So when I first watched it, uh last night i was really it was a beautiful episode it was a lot of fun i was really underwhelmed by it as a season finale Mm -hmm. and i kind of had to marinate and watch it again and there was a point that i hit in re-watching it where i went oh this is a disaster movie Mm. what they've done is last episode we had the confrontation between hunter and crosshair but what they've done is they've taken the bit like with callus and zeb on the ice moon mm-hmm. in rebels they've done the bit where the two people the two groups have to work together to get out of the situation that's bigger than either of them mm. and they've taken it and made it the big emotional quote-unquote confrontation between the two Right. So they've done this twist on what we expect by setting it in a, a disaster scenario as opposed to just a straight up fight that we all kind of expected. Mm. I agree. So let's, speaking of said disaster, <laughs> uh, we open with the ships uh, still bombing the hell out of Camino. Camino uh, is the the... Topoka City is collapsing into the water. And I have a note here that it really has just gone like full Titanic yeah. at this point. 
Well, I will say too that this these shots of the city quote unquote exploding or like the lasers or whatever blowing it up were so gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, destruction was beautiful. That's like, my next note. It's yeah. dying. Camino dying is so pretty. Right. It's gorgeous. Like the animation, they were like, well, we don't have any, we have the rest of the budget, so let's use it. <laughs> let's blow the budget. It's one of those things where they have to spend their whole budget. Yeah, I love it. So that they get, uh, they don't get less money next season. Exactly. So they threw it all in, uh, and it shows. It's absolutely gorgeous. You know what it really reminded me of, though? Hmm. So there's a, re- there's a movie that I saw in the mid-2000s. Uh, when I was a teenager, mid to late 2000s when I was a teenager, uh, that was a remake of an older movie and the new movie was called Poseidon. The old movie was called The Poseidon Adventure. But Poseidon was about a cruise ship that gets hit with a rogue wave and capsizes. And the, the gist of it is that they have to escape because the majority of the ship is underwater. Uh, I think I've seen that movie. This reminded me a lot of that movie. Okay, because yeah, they're like they're submerged underwater, but they're mm. like still able to breathe somehow because it's like sealed off. Their whole goal is to get out of the thing that's yeah. under the water. Right. Which I thought was, it, it was just a reference that I got that I wanted to bring up. I haven't watched this movie in 20 years, but. Gotcha. No, the whole movie did feel very Titanic. Or, I'm sorry, the whole episode did feel very Titanic, though. Like, it was very much oh, like yeah. the, the last act of Titanic. Like, it was very, like, we have to escape the water. Like, every time we go up, the water is catching up with us. So it's like we have to continuously get to the top of wherever we're going. <laughs> and everything's sinking and breaking and the water is gushing right. in. Back up on the, the ship. So the Bad Batch is running along. Uh, before we get into that, so the Bad Batch is running along, and uh, they end up getting separated. So a door slams shut between them. We cut back up to the Venator, and the camera kind of sweeps over the clone, the clones that are working on the bridge. Now, there's a small detail in the last episode, and again in this episode, I'm taking the fact that it showed up for like literally a second in this episode as an excuse to bring it up because i didn't talk about it last time uh but someone pointed out that the clones are wearing patches and apparently i haven't double checked this but apparently the patch denotes those clones as having been formerly part of the 212th and the 501st joint fleet so those clones worked for anakin and obi-wan Oh, weird. Okay. That those are probably the Venator ships. He might be on the negotiator, honestly. Oh, that's the that's the main one that they're on, right? That's Obi-Wan's ship is called Got the it. Negotiator. I forget what's An- what Anakin's ship is called, but that was like, oh, that was a, a nice little detail that I wanted to bring up. Uh, then we get this clone that walks up to Rampart and he's delivering the report of like Camino is or Topoka City rather has been destroyed and man you could hear this clone is having a bad day <laughs> but what's interesting is if if the chips are really working 
like full on working, he shouldn't. Okay. Your ordinary run of the mill clone shouldn't be feeling this overwhelming wave of emotion at watching his home get destroyed. Right. Because they don't care. So I thought that was an interesting uh, conversation they had. Hmm. Rampart pulls the ships out. Uh, and I want to talk about the sound design here because we're going to spend multiple shots with the, sh- the city sinking. Right. Uh, David Collins, I think, is the guy's name, who is the sound designer on, uh, on Bad Batch. And he was also the sound designer on Force Unleashed, which is, I think, why he likes to use the Imperial Klaxon so much. Ah. Uh, yeah, he really. said... He said that he designed the sound of Camino falling to literally almost feel like something massive dying. He likened it to a dying whale sinking down. Sounds about right. So I thought that was neat. Yeah, that's 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 what it kind of sounded like. These are all little details, but they all come together to make these final three episodes of been something. Uh, so I have a note here. Crosshair wakes up and AZ is like, uh, congratulations. You are not dead, but you right. are about to drown. Right. Like, AZ, you're a medical droid. Do you have bedside manner or not? I mean, he kind of does and he kind of doesn't. Like, he's very, like, matter of fact, which is, I guess if you think about it, though, as a medical droid would be good because you don't want them to, like, skirt around the problem right like be like hey by the way your leg is being cut off like you know you know what I mean? like they want you they're just gonna tell you like whatever it is yeah i did find it like a bit jarring that he was so like direct with it but i guess that does like track and make sense well i also like, think it's part of just the comedy like it's just he's so dry with his deliveries it's much true like, you know here you go like <sighs> This is a children's show for children as much as it does not seem like it sometimes. Right. What with the war crimes and the (laughs) violence and the crime and the drugs. Right. Uh, I did want to to note, uh, so Omega's hair when they're underwater. Oh, I love when her hair gets wet. So when she's underwater, it like actually like stands up, like it waves through the water in clumps. And I just love that. And then it flattens down onto her head. Right. Because I think that, I don't think we've seen hair move like that underwater before in a Star Wars animated property. Well, I love when, I love when she, um, when she comes up, it happened in the last episode when it was raining on them. Mm -hmm. Her hair, when it's wet, it literally like, is heavier so it looks longer so it like goes like she gets bangs or something like it's i don't know it's really like i'm like oh yeah that makes sense i like that yes the uh i'm trying to think because i know they did wet hair and resistance but i don't think it moved around at all Uh, because i specifically remember the wet hair because that is my favorite kaz is kaz when he has his hair matted down like that that's just a personal feeling I have, but if we get into resistance, we'll be here all day. Um, so also stuck on hair right now. I also think that like, you know, moving forward, 
if they ever do some kind of you know passage of time or something or time jump they're going to have omega have long hair and i feel like that's just to, well one to show character development slash uh time passage but also i feel like i want to see her with long hair i feel like that's like her future i need to see her with like long flowing hair like a warrior like whatever she is like i want to see that like she-ra like <laughs> she-ra omega yes i was gonna say this at the end but i'll jump in and do it now uh so my theory is actually based on the way this ends that we're looking at a year time jump yeah a oh, year I, time I, jump. i i 100% after agree. this season so Omega, like, they're trying to save Crosshair. She hops up and she's like, AZ, use the boost. I'm going to try to free him. And then just start shooting the thing with the light bow. <laughs> and, like, actually lands the hits. And then she tosses the light bow away, which infuriated me. <laughs> like, I don't need this anymore. She tosses it aside and, like, dives in. And I'm like, you couldn't have put it back on your belt. But... Well, it brings up a question too. So it works, the the laser or whatever works in the water. So why does she not just bring it underwater with her like and shoot it up close range? You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't it not do the same thing if it's just an energy thing? Like Because water is weightless. And so it's, it's different. The feel of everything is different. And she's not going to have the necessary training with the light bow to be able to aim properly. She needed to get up on solid ground where gravity was expected for her. Gotcha. So that she could correctly aim it. Since we have seen that lasers, we've seen as far back as the Clone Wars that lasers do work underwater. Mm -hmm. If you have the modified weapons to do it. Like I think in Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan's lightsaber, like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't short out. I know it shorts out in... uh, in the Lego games, the Lego Star Wars games, but I can't remember if it shorted out in like a novelization or something. I well, vaguely remember can... it briefly shorting out. Also, the only thing I can think of like where a lightsaber didn't quote unquote work was when Anakin was in the um, in Attack of the Clones where his arm gets stuck in the machine thing with his lightsaber and then when he goes to use it, it's broken. Like it gets oh. like chopped in half or something. Maybe I'm confusing those things, but... That is a valid point, uh, but she does successfully use it to free Crosshair. Uh, he and and then they they get the door open. Him and Hunter kind of snark at each other for a little bit. Uh, I didn't note anything between this exchange, but they start running through the facility, uh, and Omega looks down and sees the clone pods as they're sinking. And I liked that this kind of caused her to stop. And then I also liked it was Wrecker that was the one that was like, we need to go. Like, come on, we need to go. Well, my question was like, girl, the thing is sinking to the bottom of the ocean. And we don't know how deep this ocean is because the whole planet's a fucking ocean. So it's like, why are you stopping? Like, go, please keep moving. (laughs) I mean, clearly the ocean is not that deep because they spoilers they managed to actually get out of it that's true so it it's not like mariana trench deep right but it's deep enough i mean to it's sink deep the, enough it's that it's a problem to sink yeah, the yeah. whole city completely but right i did like that it was ricker though that was the one that told her that because he's always been the one that's been 
the most able to empathize with her. I think Echo can sympathize with her the most, but Wrecker, I think, most understands and is conscious of the fact that she is, like, a young girl. Right. And it was pointed out, I was listening to, I can't remember what I was listening to that brought this up, that Wrecker's the one to most throughout the series whenever the talk is, like, getting a little too spicy to be the one to be like, guys, there's a child. Right. You need to be careful what you say in front of the child. <laughs> uh, so they, there's another sequence where the thing like tilts over to the side and they start kind of sliding down. Uh, Omega actually saves AZ. I bring this up because it's going to come up later that she like grabs AZ like she's barely hanging on and she like still jumps down and like tries to grab him. This was incidentally the point in my second watch through that I determined that this was actually a disaster movie and started enjoying it a whole lot more. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is this scene too, where you said that it, it literally tilts over is just like, theoretically like titanic where the Mm -hmm. boat goes straight up for one you know little minute or so before it breaks in half when it's like kind of slowly sinking down and everybody's falling down into the water it like reminded me of that part because they were kind of like slow it was slowly tilting they slowly started falling and they had to grab onto stuff so they wouldn't fall all the way down yeah which i think later research has actually determined that the way that it breaks in the titanic movie like they thought that was the way it broke at the time but yeah fun fact they have determined that it it might have actually i think broken differently uh so fun fact if you want to go back and watch titanic be cognizant of the fact that when the ship breaks it probably broke below the water and not Mm. above the water there's your fun titanic fact for the day well, my headcanon uh, for what <laughs> happened in the your historical event. History, my my headcanon head history. Right. Um, is going to be whatever happened in the movie happened in real life. So that's what I'm going to stick with because Bradley, I have no other frame of reference. I would tell you that you can't just headcanon history, but in reality, that <laughs> is what most people do anyway. I mean, have you ever been into a Georgia U.S. history class? Like, it's basically all headcanon <laughs> for the South. I have. So. I have, actually, and you are 100% right about <laughs> that. So what's the difference? It is basically our headcanon of what happened. Exactly. But here in The Bad Batch, um, the thing kind of writes itself, and Hunter basically tells Crosshair, you want to stay here, you can stay here, whatever, we're leaving. Crosshair does kind of stand there for a minute and there's like a moment where Omega like looks back at him and he's standing there alone and then he follows them. It was a really nice moment, but I'm not sure what it means. I mean, I, I, if you, I'm not trying to analyze it too much because it's like, I mean, he, it's not like he can literally think about it. Like, it's like, okay, I have to go with you anyway. Like, there's no like, I'll just stay here and drown. Like, there's not really a choice to be made he's not really like he has no choice like there's not an actual like well you can stay if you want he just kind of said that i don't know if he actually maybe 
maybe it's to highlight the di- the distance between him and the batch and maybe it's like oh the batch will abandon me again mm. like maybe that's what's going on right they run to the barracks because of all the fucking rooms in Camino to be able to be fine. Obviously, it's the one that has the most symbolic resonance so that Crosshair and Hunter can have their argument about whether or not Hunter is a good leader. And here's where we get into some of the actual really meaty back and forth because yeah. they have an exchange where Crosshair's like, good soldiers follow orders. And Hunter's like, uh, if your orders are endangering you and wrong, you should question them, particularly if you're a leader right? and you're responsible for people, then you need to protect your squad who you're responsible for. <laughs> it is kind of hilarious that these two keep stopping to debate <laughs> their respective philosophies, but I'm also kind of glad that it's happening. I mean, when else are they going to find time to fight with each other? I mean, they're like about to die. So it's like, you might as well get it all out of your system now. Right. Exactly. And Omega's like, oh, I have a plan to get us out of here. And Crosshair's like, are, are we letting the child make the plans now? Yeah. Is this a thing? And I have in my notes, uh, Crosshair can shut the fuck up about Omega. Thank you. Well, it's true. Cause like, um, if you look at it from the outside perspective, because Crosshair is an outside perspective because he hasn't spent any time with them, he doesn't realize what she's capable of because he hasn't spent any time with her. And they, obviously, they've spent, we'll call it a few months together, like, I mean, or weeks. I really don't know the timeline of months, the show. I would say probably months. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars is very cagey with timeline anyway um hello empire strikes back right we so, see you there so we'll being just say, a thorn in everyone's side we'll just call it a few months uh we'll say two months that's a i think that's a fair i think like, that's reasonable i'd say this fair. this has taken place over about i'd say two or three months you have to think that like you know once the empire took over like obviously not everything's gonna be like wrapped up in a bow within a week after you know the empire takes over so like yeah give it a few months like you know we're, we're still working the kinks out 19 years later they're still working, still working the kinks the kink. out. we'll get it we'll get it any day now guys any day now we're totally gonna come they're like a shitty terrible landlord that's like i will totally come by and fix your leaking toilet uh, every day for the entire duration of your Tennessee, and then they never do it. There's a plan to take the tunnel that we saw in the last episode to manually walk through it. And AZ can get them down into it. Now, AZ does this by cutting through the floor. The cut that he makes is like at least three to four feet. So my question is, AZ... My dude, uh, what are your capabilities exactly? Because you can weld through what looks like three or four feet of solid Durasteel. Yeah. And later on, you're going to transfer enough power into the thing to like shock a giant fish. Like, Dude, are you sure you're a medical droid? Is he a medical droid? 
He's a medical droid. He's the most hyper-competent doctor I've ever met. Well, clearly he can also operate on droids uh, if he can weld through four feet of metal. So clearly he's both a droid doctor and a regular doctor because otherwise, why else would he need to have a giant welding torch on his fucking body? AZ's gonna just like pull random weapons and tools just completely at random like oh yeah you know what he is he's like if an r2 unit decided to sober up and go to medical school (laughs) yes that's exactly he's he's inspector dr gadget (laughs) azi (laughs) he's a dr gadget i love it uh but he drills through the floor and they start walking and Crosshair notices that the thing is cracking and is like, we need to go back. And Wrecker's like, uh, you need to shove your entire foot up your ass until it knocks your teeth out. And Crosshair's like, uh, excuse me, do you have something to say to me? And Wrecker delivers this lovely thing about if you, and Wrecker, bless him. This is yeah. an episode of Good Points. Wrecker, bless him says, if you had even tried to come back to us, we would have taken you back. And Cross is like, get fucked. Tex swoops in and is like, it's in his nature. You're not going to reason with him. Cross is like, why are you defending me? And I have this noted as, as the best line in the episode, maybe the best line in the entire series so far. Understanding you does not mean I agree with you. Right. And it's funny too, because that has like double meaning too, because on the one hand, it's tech just being like, it's just, it's just getting tech's side of the story basically. But it's also like tech's analytical mind being like, you know, I don't have like the emotion behind it. It's very much like, no, I don't agree with anything you're doing, but I understand why you're doing it. Therefore I can like, rationalize what you're doing it's almost like this line tells us so much about tech because tech has seemed so emotionally distant and like he doesn't really like he's purely analytical the entire show and just this one line we demonstrate that he's able to separate his analysis of a given situation Mm. from his emotion on a given situation and i feel like that's something that everyone when it comes to a lot of things needs to learn how to do if there's one lesson really to be taken away from this whole thing it's you can endeavor to understand something while not agreeing with it and just because you understand something does not obligate you to agree with it right i just i love this And I I think it's an important lesson, too, in like when we're looking at media criticism and fan culture, like I bring up my intense, burning, passionate hatred for The Force Unleashed all the time. I understand why people like The Force Unleashed. I understand very clearly why people like this game. I do not myself like this game. But I understand why people do, and I'm not going to take that away from them. I understand their point of view. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. 
And I think when we're looking at something like the Star Wars franchise maturely as adults, and we're looking at different points of view, and we're saying, I see what you're saying, even if I don't agree with it. So I think it's a lesson that we as Star Wars fans too, really can take to heart and internalize. We fucking won't, but we should. (laughs) It's just such a good line. And it, I'm hoping that next season we do get more tech and we get more echo. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do like that between the Darrow episode with echo mm-hmm. and this one with this line from tech and kind of what's been through the last four episodes with tech, they are kind of exploring them. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time to ruminate on this uh, because a giant fish shows up proving that there is always a bigger fish always a bigger fish always a bigger fish the shot of them where they start running where they're illuminated and the fish is behind them mm-hmm. maybe the coolest shot of the episode i love it so much it reminds me of uh the prince of egypt movie which I have issues with that movie. It was an animated movie from... Oh, I know what it is. I mean, I had a try. Are you trying to remember? <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, you yeah, sure I, just, I just don't quite understand the connection, what you're trying there's to get a, There's a shot of them in uh, the Red Sea in that movie where they're walking and like the light illuminates the like this whale, like this fish or shark thing from behind them and it's giant oh i know what you're talking about this shot reminds me of that shot from that movie i understand now i'm like i was like there's no giant fish in this movie that's like jonah and the whale or something no okay there is a giant fish in this movie gotcha okay i know when they're partying the red sea and then there's you see the whale and okay yeah yep this shot reminded me of that shot i just the fucking lighting in this show it's it's it, i mean i even like when uh az's eyes are illuminated as flashlights like that's to me that even is like cool like i don't know i just I, it's like it's like an excuse to have a flashlight without having a flashlight thinking of how kind of the way animation has evolved and like thinking about clone wars to rebels to resistance to now the lighting has been probably the thing that has absolutely just leaps and bounds leaps and bounds from beginning to end they've done amazing things with this engine that they're using whatever engine they're using to light this so they do actually they escape the tube az kind of shocks the thing and it goes away mm-hmm. and then az's like uh well we shorted out power to the thing but um this outcome is satisfactory. <laughs> they get up there, but oh no, the tube leading to the platform is broken. So they're going to need a new plan. Uh, Hunter and Crosshair get into it again uh, over the Empire, service to the Empire. Crosshair arguing the Empire does what needs to be done. Hunter's like, are you kidding me? And finally, Hunter tells him, you know, all you'll ever be is just a number to them. And Crosshair's like, fuck you, and walks away. Mm -hmm. 
and Omega follows him. And this is where I've noted very specifically, Omega demonstrates through this episode, she is like obsessed with saving people. Mm. She cannot let people go. She She catches AZ and risks to herself. She tries to go reason with Crosshair when any normal person would just leave him. And later on, we're going to see that she does something very stupid in the name of saving a droid. (laughs) Which, I'll remind you, in this universe, are not considered on the same level of people. Yeah, what class of droid is AZ? That's an excellent question. I think an AZI-whatever. You're going to look up what that is? Well, yeah, because it isn't like... I need to know like the difference between... Like, for example, what, uh, oh my God, his fucking Wikipedia page is AZI 34521189624987213247. That's his fucking name, Bradley. I know, but why is it so long? It's fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> That's the joke. Uh, he is a surgical assistant droid, by the way. Um, so that's why he has a fucking, no fucking bedside manner. Welder as his arm but that's why he what has, is yeah. he performing surgery on <laughs> is he performing surgery on like fucking the whale things like i don't know is he performing surgery on fucking star destroyer like what yeah and he's just a i, I it doesn't really say it just says medical class which i i guess is a different i mean i mean obviously like there's mechanics and you know whatever but i don't see like where it says you know how like they have certain classes like uh like some of them are smarter than others and there's a right. distinct distinguishing number for that i couldn't tell you anyway moving on anyway moving on in the course of this conversation between omega and crosshair omega explicitly reveals what her tragic backstory is that she never left the lab And her getting to interact with uh, the Bad Batch and seeing their mutations enhanced was the first time she'd really seen somebody else, that she spent so much time alone down in the lab. And that's why she was so obsessed with finding them in episode one. And Crosshair is like, just because they're mutated does not make you one of them. Because Crosshair has this whole like supremacist thing going Mm -hmm. to where some people are simply superior to others, which will serve him very well in the Empire because they're all fucking Nazis. Well, and even what she says to him is literally like she's she says what everybody else wanted to say this whole time, which was I wanted to believe that it was the inadvertent but no, you're just an asshole. (laughs) She just out and out says this, just comes straight out and is like, no, you're a dick actually fuck you (laughs) and like she just gets up and walks away yeah finally she's starting to grow up so they decide to what they're going to do they come up with a plan what they're going to do is they're going to load everybody into the medical pods in the lab and they're going to shoot them up through the water and this this is not a bad plan actually I have noted, as far as plans they have come up with in the show, this one is not awful. But there is a complication, which is the debris field. 
Right. And I like that it's Crosshair is the one to point out the obvious. There's this running theme throughout the episode of Crosshair saying he wants nothing to do with them and then helping. Yeah, it's he's a like very subtly helping. It's a very Din Djarin kind of, I'm going to say no, but I'm going to do the thing anyway. Right, he says I know the plan how to is, do it, yeah. Right. He says the plan is stupid, but he contributes anyway. Right. He doesn't give a shit about AZI or Omega, but he still saves them. Like, can we talk about the pairing in the, <laughs> tube, in the tubes? Because it's very important that we talk about the pairing in the tubes. It is extremely important that we discuss who gets crammed into a tube with Hill. Because, okay, let's start with Wrecker. Obviously, that makes sense. He's really big and buff. He needs his own. Okay, that that I, I can accept that one. Tech and Echo are in one together because they're the smallest. That, okay, that makes sense. Hunter and Crosshair are together for plot reasons, like just because they hate each other. So that's why they're together. And then Omega gets her own tube. She's the smallest one. That makes no sense. Uh, yeah, because I was going to say maybe they don't want to leave Crosshair by himself, which is why right. they don't put Hunter in the tube with Omega. That's what but I thought the pair That being the case, that being the case, you could just put Tech or Echo in the tube with maybe it's a buoyancy thing. Like mm, maybe Crosshair and Hunter yeah, are roughly the same weight. Uh, like if Hunter was in the tip pod with Omega, it might it tilt to the side. It would yeah. list, and there wouldn't yes. be a way. Uh, I don't I, know. I, I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, we're doing that thing that Star Wars fans have to do, where you rationalize yes. the nothing weird thing that happened in the thing right by coming up with some ridiculous fan explanation for why this works uh no uh palpatine was back because of cloning (laughs) actually i'm not going to get on that because they do say how he came back in rise of skywalker but uh i was gonna say we can say that for the end of this episode (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was going to say, well, well, we can get into that, too. Uh, I loved how uh, AZ, I was like, barring any extraneous complications, we should be fine. And I immediately went, there are going to be extraneous complications, aren't there? I mean, he, I like how he says that, like, as a plot device, like, well, you know, just in case. But, like, we know that that's what's going to happen. So it doesn't make any sense. Now, did what you did know I? who it was going to happen to, though? Uh, I knew that Omega's or that AZI was almost certainly going to run out of battery because they kept running at home. And the second Omega was like, you can do it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is about where it's about to happen. Gotcha. He's about to run out. Uh, What did I say about plans during our uh, rescue from Ryloth episode? I said, if they explain the plan and then do the plan, the plan will go wrong. But if they explain the plan and show you them doing the plan at the same time, it has worked. Right. And just calling back to our rescue from Ryloth episode. The rules still work. The rules still work. They get in the pods. They blow the the lab. The pods launch up. Uh, AZ is like darting around and moving them around the debris, which is actually a really awesome sequence. Uh, 
Did you notice the music that started playing when his power failed, started failing? It was the same music that played when Padme died in Attack of the Clones. No. Or Revenge of the Sith or whatever. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it was, so it, it wasn't the exact same music as Phantom Menace, hmm. uh, but it was very in line with it. Interesting. The, uh, the music that plays when they're descending in uh, the bongo. I think it's called a bongo. Uh, the do, 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 that bit. It's very reminiscent of that. And I specifically noted that. Interesting. I don't know whether that was intentional on Kevin Kiner's part, um, but that's what that reminded me of when they were in the water. A- AZ gets a tragic death scene. Uh, it's very sad. Uh, I cry many tears. I was uh, like... How are you guys going to bring him back just to have him die again? I was so mad. I was like, we we suspected someone was going to die this episode, but you're really going to have it be fucking AZ, who was gone for most of the series, and then you bring him back to heroically sacrifice yourself? Exactly. Like, and it was so dramatic, too, the shots, because they were so far, like, they zoomed out so far away when you could see him pushing Omega up in the tube, and you were like, Oh, he's gonna lose power and die, and then like they slowly really sink to the bottom of the ocean. Like I was like, "Oh my god, this is so fucking sad." It's not even funny. <laughs> he like ran around collecting every death flag and was yes. holding them up like, "Hello, I have collected the flags. I have been helpful. <laughs> Look at me. Why are you all staring at me with looks of transfixed horror?" Also, I want to know how deep they are because Omega opens up the tube and she gets out into the... On, so the pressure of the water, like, I don't understand, like, how deep they are because if you deep. are depressurizing the tube that you're in and then you're going into the water, like, she would die. They never depressurize the tube. <laughs> right. So they're not deep enough that depressurization has to come into it. She would probably be very uncomfortable. So her ears would almost certainly be experiencing pressure but i don't think she'd be deep enough speaking of omega uh she once again decides to throw caution into the wind to try to save somebody which is not a human this <laughs> this is her character flaw yeah that she is almost pathologically unable to let people go or give up on people Right. We start to see hints that this she might be growing out of this with her conversation with Crosshair, but for the most part, she cannot let people go. Who else do we know couldn't let people go? Anakin Skywalker could not let anybody he loved die. And how did that turn out for Anakin Skywalker? He turned into an evil force-wielding yellow-eyed monster. And how do we think this is going to go for Omega? She's going to turn into a baby crosshair. (laughs) She's going to shave her head and she's going to be evil. I did actually see uh, back when episode seven aired and she said that she didn't have an inhibitor chip. Somebody did fan art of what she would actually look like uh, if she did have an inhibitor chip and it activated and she's like got this evil, like wide-eyed slasher look, and she's saying mm. good soldiers follow orders. 
God. and wielding the light bow, and it was horrifying to look at. I don't want to think about Evil Omega, but I'm just saying she has a character flaw. She fears to lose people, and right. fear, as we know, leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and hate leads to creating a Twitter account. Right. So, but Crosshair successfully saves them by pulling out his sniper rifle right. and firing it. Look, he looks like he's going to fire it at Hunter, and then he fires it down in the water. Did you? Did it occur to you to ask where the sniper rifle came from? No, I just kind of said he keeps it, you know, in his like pants or something. Like you know, he's got a lot my, of space in there. My first thought was. Crosshair is the king of the bottoms because God knows where he was storing this thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, and if he was, <laughs> this man, this man puts every bottom to shame. Like, I'm sorry, guys, uh, your king has arrived. This is who your God is now. But a- upon watching the sequence, I actually did notice where he got it from. All the way back in the last episode, I noted in my brain, but did not write down, that Hunter, like, put something on his back uh, right before so they Hunter leave. had it the whole time. Hunter had it on his back the whole time. And you can see Crosshair pull it off of Hunter's back. Got it. Because it looks like he's taking the moment to take out, to take out Hunter. Right. He doesn't. Uh, he saves them. So he successfully rescues them. Everybody lives. They're like, we need to paddle to the Marauder. And then we get the shot that I think Bradley is going to complain about. Okay, this is the one thing that bothered me in the whole entire episode. And it was the only time I actually could see what I was seeing in the episode. (laughs) And that is the sun rises on Camino. So... I have two issues with this. My, I, my, my only explanation was that the Kaminoans were polluting the environment so poorly they were causing a hur- an everlasting hurricane on the planet. And then when the empire destroyed the city, all the pollution stopped and then the ocean just decided, okay, no more hurricane. And then that's what happened. That's my headcanon, I guess, because I don't understand it. I thought this place was in a forever perpetual hurricane. Like thunderstorm or whatever i also thought that i thought it was a planet like up until this point it has been a planet of endless storms right and it's never not been storming on camino so my thought was maybe they're doing something funky to the environment where they're like drawing energy from it that's constantly keeping it in a state of imbalance and destroying the city restored balance to the force but how yeah it doesn't yeah i don't know if that i like that explanation but i also don't get it like i love the the shot it's a beautiful shot well i was gonna say the i the only my explanation for the storm or the perpetual storm was that like okay clearly the whole planet is an ocean right there's no land mass that we know of yes because it's a star wars and you're only allowed to have one biome per right exactly but then, like, why does it stop storming it long enough for them to have a thematic moment? I mean, I didn't, ex- I didn't know. I can't explain that part. I'm just saying, before this happened, 
the storm made sense. Like I believe like, okay, there's a reason why it's happening now. That makes no sense to me because now there's no storm. So I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I always read it as the Kaminoans were like, either Doing it something. was their home base or, or yeah. they like specifically picked the planet because it would be difficult to attack. They knew they were going to be building an army. They wouldn't want their facilities to come under attack. They picked the planet specifically, but now I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh. yeah, because if this is the case, like if there's clear sunny days on this fucking planet where the ocean is so calm that it's flat, that it makes, that makes no sense, by the way. Um, then this would be the perfect planet to attack because the sky is clear. The ocean is not crazy. Like all I'd have to do is look for your city on the planet and I can attack you. So I don't understand. <laughs> we have now spent two or three minutes purely confused over the fact that a star wars planet can have more than one <laughs> type of weather. weather pattern i that's unheard of it's absolutely unheard of in this universe <laughs> as we know planets have one biome yes. unless they are kessel kessel is allowed to have two to make a poignant point but your weather is always the same Always. Your planets look exactly the same. It nothing changes at all. No, it's a it's a beautiful shot, even if it makes no goddamn sense. Right. Uh, it is a really beautiful shot, uh, and we have some some nice conversation here. Hunter and Crosshair, I I. So Crosshair elects to stay. He's not going to go with them. Right. And but him and Hunter. I don't want to say they've, they've buried the hatchet because they haven't. Uh, but I raised the point with somebody earlier today. I was like, what it feels like is it's a chapter in their relationship is closing when Hunter is like, look, we Hunter acknowledges that they want different things and they're going to go different ways. Mm -hmm. But he also acknowledges that that doesn't mean they have to be enemies. When you have a family member like that, that you're estranged from, it's a very painful feeling to acknowledge that somebody that you've spent years and years and years with is going on a different path than you, particularly if it's a path that you don't agree with. It's one of the most heartbreaking things you have to endure as a human person. And part of learning to reconcile that is this ability to say we are just on different directions in our lives that doesn't mean we hate each other that just means we're in different places and this this really resonated with me and then omega's line a little bit later and actually the the final last line. yeah not the final line of the episode but the final line of the main story where where she oh, says yeah. reaffirms you're still their brother, Crosshair. You're my brother, too. Like, that hit me. That whole exchange hit me. This scene hit me. And I am not okay. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I almost feel cheated a little because I feel like this should have been the final thing that we see, not the next little scene. I felt like that the next little scene should have happened two episodes ago. When? I actually forgot that the next scene exists uh, oh. on my second watch through because the shot of Crosshair standing alone 
on the uh, on the platform as yeah. the Marauder flies away was a beautiful shot to end on. Yeah. Gorgeous, incredible, 10 out of 10. Then they should have gone to credits. They should have done the credits and this should have been a post credit scene. There you go. Yeah, I don't like that it was included in the episode because I feel like it not... I don't want to say cheapened the ending, but it just felt out of place. It felt out of place and it didn't quite reveal enough, I felt, to justify right. its presence in the episode. Like, if if she had come out, if they had explicitly identified what planet they're on, which we'll right. get to what that might be in a minute. But if they'd explicitly identified it as a major lore drop tease, or they had had some characters show up in the final minutes, the way Vader showed up at the end of Rebel season one, mm-hmm. then it would have felt like a proper like epilogue that needed to be included in the body of the episode. As it stands, this would have been a great in credit scene. Well, I was thinking too. So in this scene, a woman, a scientist woman or whatever, yes. with the glasses, she comes up to Nala say, and you know, she talks to her or whatever. I noted that the outfit she was wearing is the same outfit that Dr. Pershing is wearing in The Mandalorian season one. Absolutely. Yep. Season one and season two, uh, Pershing's outfit right. is the same, which is the first time we've seen it in animation. So I felt like if they were going to include this scene, that character should have been Dr. Pershing coming up to Nala Se, not uh, this random woman. Dr. Pershing is probably being born right about now. Oh, uh, well, and then this is his mom. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> I maybe. Mean, we don't, I don't know, you know, but... But you so, know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like it would have been a stronger if we knew who this person was. Like, and we needed to know who the person was coming to greet her yes, or something. Like, that yes, would have been a stronger thing. 100%. Uh, if, like I said, if it had been something like Vader at the end of season one of right. Rebels. Like, if Nala Say had landed and uh, there had been like a, oh, the, the Empire has big plans for you. And it had been like, to pull someone completely out of my ass, if it had been like Gallius Rax from the Aftermath series, who we know was tight with the Emperor, or it was like one of the Emperor's advisors, or it was somebody that, assuming that this is leading into the Exegol stuff eventually down the line, or if it had been like a young Moth Gideon or something, that would have been worth having it be the stinger as it stands i had to do some digging and read some articles gotcha to determine what might be going on in this scene and before we get into that real quick i just want to note that i just i just pulled it up real quick just to time it from the second it cuts to black till it says created by dave filoni it's a whole eight seconds of black which makes no sense. Like, why did you leave that much space of, like, pause? Like, it wasn't, like, that dramatic. So I don't understand what, like, that could have been eight seconds of something else. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, like, it, it if it had been some major shocker, like, absolutely, like, just drop, it, like, just drop everything. Yeah. Right. And 
that would have been good to say, have time to sink in, but nothing really happened in this scene. Well, it also feels like that's where they could have put the season two, you know, teaser thing that they dropped two episodes mm-hmm. ago. They could have put that in there. Like, as like, even though they already announced it, they could have still put that in the end, been like season two coming 2021 or whatever. Like they could have just stuck that in there. You know who it should have been? Uh, Baby Yoda. It should have been Admiral <laughs> Trench. Somehow, Admiral oh Trench God. returned. Why would that have anything or, to do with anything? Or Ad- because he just keeps coming back from the dead, Bradley. Oh my God. He just you keeps coming back from the dead. His ship blows up and he's just randomly here <sighs> again as a cyborg now. You cannot keep a oh spider. Have you tried to kill a spider, Bradley? Oh it's my really God. fucking Shut hard. Up. It oh is my really God. hard. Uh, there's, okay, as much as I would love to see a cyborg spider show up in live action for no fucking reason whatsoever, because it doesn't make sense with anything that's going on plot-wise in any of the canon that's happening at any point in time that's current. Um, that's a reveal for it me and no one else. Maybe, you know what, he'll appear in the Ahsoka show in three years, and then you'll be happy. I I will be. Somehow, Admiral Trench survived. <laughs> I did. I didn't do research because I didn't think to do research. But fortunately, I read an article earlier today, okay. uh, which is not from a clickbait site, which is from Cinelix, which is a site that actually does journalism, which okay. is nice. Like that. Um, but I was reading a speculation article on there, and they identified that the mountain that they're on. I had thought it might be Darrow. It it wasn't. Uh, they identified that it might be a place called Mount Tantus. Mount Tantus in Legends factored into Heir to the Empire. And it was Palpatine, one of Palpatine's like strongholds where he kept his dark secrets and he did his dark deeds. So Um. there's some discussion that it might be Mount Tantus and that Nullis A might be going to work directly on some shady shit that Palpatine wants to do that will tie into uh, the Children of the Force arc from Clone Wars and into what Moff Gideon is trying to do in um, The Mandalorian and eventually lead to what we see in Rise of Skywalker. The only way I'm going to say I don't think that that's true is because the mountain was too beautiful. It didn't look evil enough. So I'm going to go with that can't be the place where all of his evil stuff is happening because it was too pretty. So Uh, pretty people (laughs) can pretty things can be evil. Bradley, have you ever, ever (laughs) met a nice, pretty gay man? Exactly. Anyway. um... (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Here we go. So that wraps up the episode. I do want to do a few shout outs. Uh, I did look up who voices the medical officer. She's credited as medical officer. It's a woman named Helen Sadler. Um, There doesn't seem to be anything special about this medical officer, but in researching Helen Sadler, I did discover that she has done a lot of voices for the series, uh, for Star Wars series and video games rather. So she's Hmm. one of the ones like like, uh, Liam O'Brien and some of the others who have done multiple voices. Right, like the background characters. 
Uh, and that guy who voiced Lama Sue, I can't remember his name. I think it was like, it, was, it started with a B. I don't remember it, but he also had shown up in a lot of different things throughout the years. So gotcha. shout out to her uh, for existing and being awesome and contributing to things we like. Uh, we give Dave Filoni a lot of credit on the show, uh, but real fast at the end here as we roll the credits, I want to shout out Kevin Kiner, who does the music, and then Brad Rao, who's the supervising director, and Jennifer Corbett, who's the co-executive producer and co-developer. Nice. Just right here at the end of, we're going to do our retrospective, and when we do our retrospective, we're probably going to talk about the creators a lot but right here at the back of the final episode i want to shout out those people who we've been talking about a lot over the course of this show right bradley do you have any final thoughts on this episode before i give mine um final thoughts is like we kind of said a little bit before i i, I can't not see them doing a time jump i just don't know where like this show can go from a like a oh, okay, it's only a week later. Let's continue like what we were doing. Like, I don't think we're there. I think we're done. Like you said, with Crosshair and Hunters kind of like, not beef squashed, but like they're just kind of done with the whole like, I need to hunt you, you know what I mean? Or (laughs) not hunt because Crosshair doesn't hunt, but you know what I mean? Like we're we're done with that storyline to an extent. Um, It'll be interesting to see where crosshair ends up in the empire because he did say earlier he goes i'm going to be a part of this empire and i'm going to be important is what he said basically and from what we know history wise uh that doesn't work that doesn't track so i don't know what that's gonna happen but we'll see i i do know once i realized what was going on in this episode that they were kind of thrown together in this disaster i do understand now why it tonally had to be split between last week's episode and this week's episode Mm -hmm. i think that they do have to be kind of taken together but at the same time i understand why they did the split and let each one marinate on its own uh i loved the episode it wasn't my favorite it's growing on me. It's kind of rising up the list, uh, but it's it's not hitting the same levels as like War Mantle. Maybe I'll like it better. Uh, maybe I'll like After it better once view, I've yeah. once I've marathoned it all. Right, right. right. Like, yeah, I'm, gonna, it, I'm gonna go from this to marathoning the whole thing just to see what it's like on a binge watch. Yeah, it might be different on the not the you know not the second view, but you know what I mean, like the the watching it as a whole might be yeah. a different take on it. Yeah. All right. So socials, we are on several different socials. We are on Twitter at, at gold squad gaze. Um, I try to provide updates for our show, but also retweet when I can catch them uh, new episodes of shows by other queer creators. Uh, so if you're interested in more podcasts by queer people that are like this one, Definitely give us a follow over there. Uh, we also have our Instagram account, Gold Squadron Gaze. So at Gold Squadron Gaze. Uh, Bradley sometimes posts funny memes and sometimes posts direct personal attacks. So <laughs> just gonna just gonna leave that one there. That was so a good one want, today. I hate you so fucking much. <laughs> We're also on TikTok. 
you can follow us at, at Build Squadron Gaze on there. We animate clips from these episodes every week and post them there. Uh, so if you want to get a different take on what's going on over there, definitely give us a follow uh, over on the TikTok. Uh, if you are enjoying the show, no matter what podcatcher you use, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review over there. Uh, it helps boost the algorithm. It helps us uh, get seen by more people, so it would definitely be appreciated. And if it's uh, particularly kind or particularly vicious, we may read it out loud on the air. Uh, and finally, you can find me personally on Twitch at, at CWRogers6. It's the same as my Twitter handle. We play Star Wars games every Monday, although we've been kind of on a hiatus the last few weeks. Uh, but we are finishing up Jedi Fallen Order, kind of deciding what we want to do next. So definitely come over and hang out. Uh, I also wanted to give a special thank you to Hope and Chris from Jedi Guys and Jedi for their lovely, lovely shout out of us on the podcast episode that dropped this week at time of recording this, which is the 13th of August. So thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Bradley, take us out so that uh, I can start watching The Bad Batch again. Thank you for joining us this week and join us next week for another episode of Goal Squadron Games. I mean, I was going to take the pure emotional wrecker standpoint on that and say anybody who likes the video games of Star Wars is a fucking fuck fanboy and they should all <laughs> shut up. So none of their uh -huh, opinions matter. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how you feel uh, once we finally get you uh, something that you can actually play Jedi Fallen Order on. Unless they port it to Switch, I'm never going to play that game. So, We'll, we'll see if uh, Ginger Twinks can change your mind.